Welcome on into the 2-3 Podcast. I'm Cam. That's Zach. Episode 22, released on 2-22-22 edition. Koryak Cuse is back with a gritty OT win. But hey, a win is a win. A win is a win. This was a very gritty game. A one-point OT win. The game just wrapped up not too long ago. You can breathe, Q's fans. That was a really, really tough win. One of the tougher ones that I've seen in a while. It's not even that Georgia Tech uh, was... It's not even that Q's was like playing poorly. It was just that Georgia Tech was playing great. And despite their record coming into this game, they showed that they are a formidable foe. And maybe, Zach, a potential ri- rival on the horizon. Yeah, potentially. I mean, it seems like we're this is always a good matchup, and the Georgia Tech coach actually has a winning a record against us, so that's kind of uh, not cool. We got to we got to change that, but we did get the dub today, so at least the tally's in the right column for tonight. And this was a uh, like we said, it was an OT win, a very gritty game. It kind of came down right to the last second. Um, a very very solid defensive stand towards the end, and. It seems like Zach defense really wasn't the issue tonight. It was just great defensive clamps, especially in the second half too. Like, I don't know what was going on in the first half, but like the second half, man, we were really starting to come alive. Georgia Tech was making their shots. They were shooting really, really well. But despite that, despite all that adversity, we we still like held strong and we still put up a great performance. Yeah, we did. This is now, we've, we've won six out of the last seven so we're, we're out, our momentum is building going into Notre Dame coming up and our our massive gauntlet of a schedule coming up to our last four games here. But nonetheless, a fantastic dub, a much needed dub. And it's just it just feels great. Obviously, like it, it did feel I don't know, if if I felt a little lucky at the end there, squeezing out with this win, but nonetheless, like we said, a win is a win. Yeah, last time we talked to you, it was before the Boston College game and Boston College game, obviously not too much. It was a, it was a great game. If you're a Cuse fan, if you're a Boston College fan, then I'm sorry, but also it was not a good game. Um, it was a 20 point win. It seemed like everybody had a great game, but this is really the one that everybody's going to be talking about. We got to start off with the main man, Buddy. He did not have any points in the first half, but despite that, Zach, we still kept it close the whole time. It just kind of shows like we've always had that question of what is this team like when Buddy doesn't shoot well? Or in general, what is this team like when the shooters don't shoot well? And other people stepped it up. They contributed, but Buddy was able to actually get it going in the second half. Yeah, that's testament to who Buddy is. And we knew he he would. Like Obviously, you don't love to see your, your leading score score zero in the first half. He hasn't done that in the Dome all year. He has had one other game where he struggled, I think. I think it was possibly Duke, but regardless, you don't see zero in the in, in Buddy's box score very often for for a half. But someone who stepped for him up for him was was his brother Jimmy. Jimmy was unstoppable that first half. Jimmy was on one this game. He was it was a game that we have been asking for Jimmy to have for a while. He had twenty points. He had ten rebounds, and we were like begging Jimmy to just come alive, be an animal, be an animal that we knew he could be because I felt personally like the past couple of games, he'd been pretty quiet 
We haven't seen too many strong performances out of him, even though he's putting up really good um, numbers like game after game. What I mean is we're not seeing too many like electric performances out of him like we saw right in the beginning of the year when he was driving in, when he was just an animal, when he would take contact. It looked like he was kind of settling for shots every now and then, but this is not what happened this game. He was basically the Jimmy that we saw in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think he had a void to fill because Buddy had a struggling game. Like, if we scroll back to the Villanova game, which we've said several times is what we considered to be his best game in Syracuse uniform, Buddy only had six points that game. So, again, Jimmy had to step up and fill that void in scoring. And we see that again here today where Buddy struggled the first half and Jimmy stepped in and, and it showed what he could do. You know, you always like your brother doing that. You can you can clean up the mess if he needs to. And I guess that that's just what the, the kind of player that Jimmy is. He's going to be that guy where if a role is needed to be filled, he can do it. And if you look at like Jimmy's player profile, he can pretty much do it all. He can drive in very easily. He can create space. He can take shots. He's a pretty decent shooter. He's kind of like Cole. I think that Cole is probably a better shooter than he is. But um, Jimmy is a very, very good player when there is a gap to be filled. The problem is, Zach, I think when there is no gap to be filled, it's like, where do you put him? And he's almost like the odd man out. And I guess that that's a good thing because he isn't needed at all. But at the same time, like, I still want that kind of performance out of him, even if there is not a, a role that needs to necessarily be filled. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no disrespect against Jimmy, but I just think ultimately, like, he's just not like Buddy is a better player than he is. So Buddy gets those looks first, he gets those points first, and he's like the number one guy, obviously. So Jimmy doesn't necessarily need it, like we've kind of already said. So I just think baseline, he is like you know, I I think Cole established himself as the number two here. After you know, since we since we've kind of talked about that. But I'm not really sure where he is in the hierarchy, but three, four. But obviously tonight, he was number one. Yeah, he was number one. He was definitely the difference maker, especially in the first half. He was the guy who was really keeping us in the second or the first half. Uh, second half, he just kind of, you know, he, he did a great job. He um, he had a couple of good looks. I thought that he played very, very well. And just overall, it was one of the best performances that I've seen from Jimmy in a while. And I think it's one that he he desperately needed, especially in ACC play, especially with the tough competition coming up that we'll talk about a little bit later. But one guy, Zach, that you had mentioned was Captain Cole. And in Jim's words, he was a superstar tonight, and he absolutely was. Yeah, I mean, this comparison to, I mean, we haven't really touched on it, but we did shoot the ball fairly poorly or very poorly <laughs> to very put poorly. it lightly. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't want to dwell on that too much, but we did shoot the ball very poorly and Cole did well, you know, double-double as well, 18 points, 12 rebounds. Love to see Captain Cole showing out and providing to the team. This is the, we'll just get it out of the way right now. This is the lowest shooting percentage win that we've had this year at just under 33%. So it was a very, very bad shooting performance, but I think it continues to fascinate me, Zach, like how many facets of Cole's game he has and like how many we just keep seeing like game after game, whenever we need something from Cole, he's there. And it just, it it continues to fascinate me. Like he is such a well-rounded player that 
I just look at him and I'm like, I, I don't know what he can't do at this point. Yeah, and, and credit to him, like the whole team struggled to shoot and credit to to Cole and to the entire team. We 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 kept shooting. Like we, we shot seven to three shots tonight. And typically we you know, we're shooting, you know, fifty ish ballpark without numbers in front of me. So we shot like twenty more shots than we usually did. And obviously, you know, you know, maybe you don't love to see that, but it's just a test that we we kept shooting, we didn't give up, and ultimately we made the shots we needed to make and won the game. So you know, gritty, yes, but hey, it's a dub, so what can you say? And Cole like always talks about that shooter's mentality where um listen, like you're you can't just stop shooting. And that's what the issue was in the beginning or in the yeah, in the beginning of the year. When he was kind of struggling a little bit, kind of getting out of the gate, he got out pretty slow and he didn't stop shooting. And even I was questioning Zach why he was still shooting. He has absolutely shown to me and to the rest of the the Syracuse community and the world for that matter that he's a shooter and he needs to keep shooting. And that is why you keep shooting. And I think that Cole is more or less like, if you look at our season as a whole, he is a perfect example of just this team in general. They're very gritty. They're very tough. When the going gets rough and when everybody's counting them out, they will still keep shooting. And that is the captain mentality. I know that we joke about like Captain Cole and everything, but in all like seriousness, Cole is like exceptional at being a leader. And I hope that translates to in the locker room, but at least from a fan's perspective on the court, Cole is absolutely the leader out there. He is a perfect example of how a player should be. And I just hope Zach down the line, he he just continues to keep up this momentum. Yeah. And just to throw a stat on the shooting for Cole, he was four for 10 from tonight. And then if we just go back to BC, he was three for five. So he took five more threes. I was shooting at a lesser percentage, but kept shooting even though, because usually he's, he's a little bit more particular about his shots. He's usually, you know, taking five, six shots and, you know, being more particular, but you know, the whole team let it fly tonight and luckily it worked out. It did work out. And something else that worked out, we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier was the defense. The defense was exceptional in this game. Georgia tech turned the ball over 14 times the defense was exceptional, especially in the second half and especially on that like last possession in OT where we were able to kind of out-rebound them and there was a lot of controversy going on as to who fouled who and we'll get into that in a second. But like the defense as a whole was very good and I think that that's something that we have gotten a lot better at is just dealing with our size. Our size is what it is. And I think that we do a very, very good job now of working with what we have. We're not as physical as we were in years past, but we still make it work and they are making it work very well out there. Yeah. I mean, I love steals. I love blocks. We had seven steals. We had three blocks. What I love even more is shot clock violations. That's a full yes. shot clock of of defense, of hard defense. And we had like two or three, one in particular down like one of the last plays in regulation yep. that we had to stop them and we did, which is just like, that's just, that's just gritty, hard defense and that's in particular is what I love to see. Who has surprised you most on the defensive end as far as like clamping people down? I don't know. I mean, I just think, I mean, obviously it's it's a universal effort and people people really just, 
I mean, I think it starts at the top with, with, with Buddy and Joe, like staying active, getting in guys' faces, not letting, you know, the guards up front just shoot with the ball. And I think that's ultimately like what's most important because when, when the point guard or a guard can throw it in and shoot with the ball, then it's in and there's in and out action. And next thing you know, you're making rotations and, you know, your center has to go out and contest or whatever. There was a bit of a gap in the first half where the wings were not, I, I don't know what they weren't doing. I think that it was that they were missing assignments um, in the corner, especially Benny was <laughs> missing a a shooter that just kept shooting in that same corner and making it. And Jim was hot. He was furious. And then he subbed in uh, Frank, I believe. And then Frank did the same exact thing. And then Barama came in and then it kind of settled down from there. But I guess that that's what's like, that's the hole in the 2-3 zone, or at least our 2-3 zone right now, is when the bench comes in, you know, how can we make up for that lack of, I guess, speed, maybe? Benny's still getting used to the system, so I, I can't blame him too much, but Jim was hot, man, in the in the first half. I don't know if you saw it, but like he was screaming at Benny and for for missing that assignment. Yeah, I mean, I love Benny so much, but he he was he he did kind of was lacking it back on defense. He kind of like jogged back, or he didn't. I guess whatever he did, he didn't sprint back. That that was it was obviously he didn't sprint back and, and in that instance he needed to sprint back and I think that's what Jim was most upset with and because it's, it's when you're playing limited minutes and you know your role your main role is you know mainly be defensive minded and you, that's one thing you can't mess up and when you know Benny kind of fell on assignment it was just Jim was just you know very upset so I, I don't blame him and I, I don't know I feel like Benny needs to really like. Or Benny just really needs to, to to kind of accept that and just really buy into like this high motor. Like he should be the first guy in offense, the first guy back every single time. Like in his limited minutes, whatever minutes he gets, I really it, it really cool to see him just have high motor and just fly on the floor and just 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 I don't know. I mean, not that he's not trying, but it would just be cool to see that extra motor from. Him. I think I think a lot of people would like to see that too. And a great, like we always talk about him, but a great guy to kind of learn that from is Samir. Samir is always sprinting. He's always hustling on defense. He is so incredibly annoying on the defensive end. If you're like an offensive, if you're, if you're playing offense against him, I, I feel bad for you because that man has clamps. He's always quick. And especially on the offensive end, he's trying to get back so that way he can set up the offense and everything. I think that's the kind of guy that you kind of need to learn from. And if you're Benny, like, just kind of learn when you're on the bench. Like it, it's got to be tough when you are a freshman, when you're coming from high school, when you're getting all these minutes, and then you're only getting like three a game in college. But you kind of need to understand that like Jim's trying to win and he's trying to like teach you the ways to do it or the right way to do it. And um, I think that Benny just kind of needs to learn that. And like you said, accept that, Zach. Yeah, Benny. Benny's a little boogie in his step, bro. He needs a little. He needs a little boogie, like for, like side boogie, and I think that would help him a lot. And like obviously, I, I think Benny's way more than you know the the hustle guy on the floor that's always first back on defense. Like he he's way more than that. But I just think that's just a baseline thing that needs to be done, and I think people will notice that. And it, it would be cool to see him have you know a little, a little more pep to his step. Not that he's like 
I don't think he's slacking. I'm not trying to call him up for that. I just think if he was, I just, I would just love to see him go a hundred percent always. And like, it would just be like, I don't want to see him like, I'm saying like, he's not trying. I, I obviously I think he's trying, but just, I guess the extra step, you know, like he, he's trying now, but now it's like, all right, I, I want to push him to go a hundred to 10%. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you think it could be because he doesn't fully know the defense quite yet? I mean, in this particular instance, I don't know if you recall, but I mean, like he, I think he tried to go for like an offensive rebound, didn't get it. So, you know, the play's already beyond him. And instead of like full sprinting back on D, he like, you know, runs back. It wasn't a mm-hmm. full sprint. I think that was like the problem. Like, obviously, it's not like he like lollygagged and was like, oh, whatever. Like, he just didn't full on sprint. You know, the, the full like 110% effort wasn't there. Or it yeah. didn't seem like it was there. So, like, that was the issue. And like you said, when you're getting, like, three or five minutes a game, when you're getting bench minutes, you got to do it. You got to go full out. You got to go, you know, as hard as you can because you have no idea, like, when you're going to be coming back in. You got fresh legs out there. You got to have this, the the starters rest. So, I get what you're saying. And I don't want him to, like, get inside his head too much, even though he might already be. Um it's just tough like to see a young kid kind of learning the hard way as it were, but he is such an incredibly like talented player and there's going to be so many great things that we're going to see out of him. It's just going to take some time. It's going to take some time for him to develop. And I hope, I hope that he understands that. Yeah. One last thing on that. If he, if he, if he thinks he's playing hundred percent now, then you can get to 110% by doing things like that, having the extra energy, getting back on, being the first one back on D. That's the kind of thing would be really cool to see from him, even though he is playing, he is trying. And I think that's all I got to say on that. We do need to mention the man himself, Barama Sidibe, coming alive in OT. It was awesome to see after Frank Anselm had fouled out. Barama's really surprised us. He had 18 minutes against Boston College and 16 minutes against Georgia Tech. And Barama has really like stepped it up. And I, in the beginning of the year, I had no idea how many minutes he was going to get. I had a feeling that he might get a couple of minutes. And in the beginning of the year, like obviously he was still injured or he was still coming back from his injury. And it was clear that he was not getting too many minutes. And then when Jesse went down, I was a little bit worried as to like how Barama was going to perform, but he's done a great job and I've really been impressed with the way that he's been playing. And I don't think that we're seeing like prime Barama at all, but it is nice to at least see like a little flash of, of what was. You're, yeah, we're definitely, there, there's times where like I'm getting a little flashes, a little glimpses of what primetime Brahma was it, two years ago. So it was, it was exciting to see some little, little flashes of primetime Brahma. I mean, Jim mentioned in this against the, the, or Jim mentioned this in the BC presser that he is healthy. He's been practicing full practices for the past few weeks, which I guess is very timely since, you know, Jesse recently got hurt, obviously. And he just he's just not quite game ready. You know, it takes time to get to game speed, game flow, game rotations. But nonetheless, you know, he, he's impacting the game. Ha- had two blocks, or excuse me, he had two steals and one block tonight, which is pretty impressive. That is impressive. And I felt like there was maybe a conversation that could take place 
where Barama could potentially take the starting role from Frank. And as we know, like Jim, once he has the starting lineup, he has the starting lineup. It's not really going to change. And that was uh, brought up in the presser. And if you have a chance, I do recommend that you listen to Jim's presser <laughs> because he was he was off the rails, man. I'm not sure what it was, but there was a lot of anxiety in that presser, Zach. It was not really fun to listen to. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what happened there. I mean, obviously, Jim always stands his grounds against the reporters. But I do see your argument of Brahma versus Frank. I mean, if you just look at the pure stat lines, I'll read it to you right now. Brahma, five points, two steals, one block, five rebounds. Great stat line compared to Frank's two points, a turnover, two blocks, and 10 rebounds. Which, the 10 rebounds, you don't want to sleep on that. That is impressive. Really, really good to see Frank pull down 10 boards. But if you just compare those two stat lines without any of the prior notion that Brahma is coming off a two-year injury, finally getting up to game speed, you know, one could argue... Oh, like, who's the better center? Who should get more minutes? Ultimately, I do think the split in minutes, you know, 29-16 for this game was good. And going forward, I think that's kind of what it'll be. But I do see the argument. And Jim was asked about the potential of Barama starting, and the reporter didn't even finish their question. And Jim just kind of laughed at the idea of Barama starting he said the starters are the starters. They're, they're starting. So there's obviously not going to be any change there. But I think that my argument is if you look at sort of the the talent like level from Barama, and I think that this is probably coming from the fact that we're actually seeing Barama get like legitimate minutes as opposed to just like two minutes at the end of a game when it's like garbage time. We're seeing Barama actually start to get some minutes. And I think that from like a talent perspective, you could make an argument that maybe he's a little bit better than Frank. But at the same time, Frank does have the experience with that lineup. He's been playing a lot more than Barama has this year. And I think that my argument at least was that like from a talent perspective, maybe it's there, but from a minute's perspective, I don't think it's going to happen and I don't think it should happen, but it is nice that we're seeing Barama get some like quality minutes, which I think that he rightfully deserves. And maybe down the line, we see him get even more minutes, but Jim's playing with a two center rotation. I I like it. Uh, I think that it's going to work pretty well. I think it has been working pretty well, but overall, like just really, really impressed with what we've seen from, from Barama. Yeah. I mean, going forward, Barama and Frank, both the centers are crucial to our team and our success. These guys are both super, super important. And whatever minutes split they end up getting, you know, regardless of that, these two guys are super, super important. And the minutes and all the things they contribute to to, the, to our team are, are, are both very, very important. I mean, as Jim said in his presser, he could start John Bull for all he cares. <laughs> I don't think that we're going to see John Bull start anytime soon, but uh, it would be nice to see some John Bull minutes. We haven't seen that in a little bit, Zach. I want to see some John Bull out there. Always love to see John Bull. You know, he's he's kind of like, just his personality is so great, and everyone, he's kind of like a, a fan favorite, you know, other than, you know, our, our guy Patty Casey, you know, in terms of, you know, non-starters. 
So, you know, I always love to see some John Bull minutes. One guy that we do need to kind of turn back on, um, because it was something that was kind of blowing up Twitter at the end of the game, was Jimmy's last shot in regulation. He had a little bit of like a a right-handed, I guess it was kind of like a hook shot, um, to, to try to win the game. And the question basically was, do we like him taking that? Do we want to like have a chance at Buddy possibly shooting a three or one of our shooters shooting a three? And I don't know, Zach. I thought that I I liked it personally. I thought it was a good look. But what did you think? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, a bad shot. I mean, like some people were arguing it was a little, you know, off balanced. And you know, why aren't we going to you know our our trusted you know buck getters of like Buddy or our certified shooters? And I I, I get that argument. I mean, like. It, the only reason it matters, obviously, is because it didn't go in. It, we wouldn't have this conversation if it went in. I mean, Jimmy has missed, you know, against, I think, Florida State, he missed a hook shot like this. So, I guess he's struggling the clutch in these two instances. If we just look at these two instances, I guess, I mean, I guess I don't want to say overall he's struggling the clutch, but if you look at those two instances, he has missed those shots. So, maybe people are remembering that as well. I don't. I think it was a decent shot, you know, especially given the game he was having. I had full confidence in him taking that shot. I know he was super bummed that he missed that shot, obviously. So, I get it a little bit. I mean, maybe it was in a buddy three, but just, you know, a buddy pull-up, which he's starting to hit in the second half. Maybe that was a shot people would have liked to see. I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of the nitty-gritty at this point because, you know, the ball didn't go in, so people are angry and want to see the ball go in and for whatever reason, they don't think Jimmy's the guy for that. So I, I, th- I look the shot. I thought this is a shot that Jimmy's going to make nine times out of 10. And he just happened to miss it this one time. Jimmy was having a fantastic game up until that point. He was cruising. He was, he had a fantastic first half. Like I said, he was having some good looks from the second half and I thought that like with everything that had gone on, I thought that he was probably going to be the one that was going to take it. The ball was in his hands. I didn't see him giving it up. I didn't think that he should. I thought it was a good shot. This is a shot that he was going to make almost 90% of the time and it didn't fall. It was contested, but at the same time, I can still see him making that because he has in the past. Um, Regardless, still got the win. Still got the win, still got the dub. And like you said, Zach, if it went in, nobody would be talking about this. It's just the fact that it didn't go in. People question if he's clutch or not or whatever. I'm not too worried about it. I thought it was a really, really good shot, and I liked it. Regardless, Zach, we still got the win. Yeah, I mean, and that's the main key takeaway of this whole game. And, and Cole made this point in his pressures. We've lost games like this, and... Obviously, this is a win. So it, it it's it's a step. We because there was a time when we were losing games like this. So obviously, it's it's good to be winning games like this. And whatever happened, whether that's a little bit of luck at the end, or you know these defensive stops down the stretch, all the culmination of things that we did to to win. And it doesn't matter exactly what it was. Is we won. We found a way to win. And as we as we we've said several times, a win is a win. I was going to ask uh, if this was the same team that was playing in the beginning of the year, do you think that we win this game? Probably not. I mean, just based on how we were playing. And I do think luck 
you know, played a pretty good favor on us. Those Georgia Tech literally had three opportunities to win the game, and all three of those shots didn't go in. So that's that's slightly luck. That's slightly, you know, I guess defensive, you know, defense to degree. That's three shots that, and the the last shot like was almost in. We we got we got we got we got pretty lucky there. If, if we're being completely honest, like you didn't leave that feeling good. You like, you just were happy to take another breath because you you know you were so stressed. So, <laughs> I do feel that when I was watching the game, I was like, I needed to watch it for the final like five minutes after the game was complete, so that way I made sure we actually got the win that I wasn't just like playing tricks with myself to make sure, okay, we actually got the win. This is a win. This is an overtime win. Just make sure that it's good. And look, even though Georgia Tech is what, like 11 and 14 on the year, they still played fantastic. And Georgia Tech has been playing us very well for the past couple of years. Their their coach does a great job of coaching against the 2-3 zone. They always seem to be able to figure it out and always be able to, to shoot over it. And... I was very impressed with their style of play. I, I kind of can't believe that they have the record that they have, but I guess I don't. I don't know anything about their team. I think that they lost quite a few like key contributors from last year's team. I totally forgot Zach that like they won the ACC tournament last year. They were in the championship game for the ACC ACC tournament last year. Like they were a great team. They were fantastic. I just don't know what happened this year. Yeah, they, they had, I think I think they won it. I think they won the ACC tournament last year. I think they, they did too. Playing, yeah, they're playing great. Like I'm not captain enough to to GT basketball to to know all the details <laughs> of who left and all that. But um, yeah, I mean, honestly, if you would have asked me before the season start, like who's going to be you know top of the ACC, I would have just based on what they did last year and not knowing you know who left, who came back, et cetera, et cetera. I would I would have thought GT would not be last in the standings or. Are they are they last in the standings? I guess they're tied with Clemson that, and NC State. But yeah, I think that they are uh, tied right now. That whole like bottom of yeah, they're all tied at four and twelve. So, and again, if you haven't watched Jim's presser, you absolutely need to. Uh, at one point, he did call out the fans. He said the fans only showed up for thirty four minutes, and. I thought that I was hearing them. I thought I was hearing the student section. I thought that they were doing pretty good. It is kind of strange. And again, the 2-3 is trying to work on the petition, okay, to move the student section. We're trying to get you guys courtside or at least like better seating so that way you guys can have your voices be heard. It's a little bit difficult when you're on just one side of the court. But he said that the fans only showed up for 34 minutes. And man... I haven't seen Jim call out the fans in, in quite a while, honestly. Yeah, I think he was just frustrated overall. Like he didn't like the calls at the at the end of the game, and I think it was just a culmination of frustration where he's like also upset with the fans a little bit too. I mean, like it's a Monday, still pretty decent turnout. I think there was like twenty two thousand people there, which is just like a thousand less than what we were getting, which was like breaking records. So, still a great turnout for a Monday against you know a bottom of the. ACC standing team in Georgia Tech. So I kind of get it. I don't think it was necessarily worth like a call out. Like it wasn't that bad where it was like, like, I don't know, people still showed up, but you know, I guess overall, like, you know, be a little bit louder, I guess. I don't know. That's fair. 
And if you're making the argument that the team isn't very fun to watch or they aren't very fun to root for, you can't make that argument because he's not saying that like, oh, there weren't enough fans there. He was saying that you didn't cheer loud enough. So like you're there, just cheer, cheer for your team, support your team. I will never understand why some fans are just sitting there with their arms crossed in their chair, just this team's terrible. Or they're like, (laughs) they're like clapping with their knee or something, their hand on their knee. The knee clap. Get up and knee clap. Just get up and cheer for your team, man. I will never, ever, ever understand that. It has nothing to do with the caliber of the team. If you're there at the game, just cheer. Just do it. I, I don't know what else you're going to do. Just, I guess you could sit there and be miserable, I guess, if you want to. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to the student section. And if the student section was a different spot, a little more center court somewhere, I think it would change the dynamic of the dome like tenfold and it would be, it, it would truly become like the loud, loud house. It would, it would be wild. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, obviously it, it's great regardless, but I think changing the student section could be like off the chain. Like it, it would be insane. I can just imagine the student section against Duke with like center court kind of. You get all the fans right there jumping around. Oh, that would be crazy. That would actually be the loud, loud, loud house. Because if you ever go to a Duke game, a Q-Duke Duke game, Duke, they're, they're, the student section is basically lined up like all the way up to the top, like all the way to the top of the dome. And they are screaming on that side. And then, like, the rest of the fans are making a little bit of noise, but the student section is really what, like, that's the heart and soul of the Loud House fandom. They make it, if you're listening, you guys make it, like, you make everything about the Loud House fun. So, we're trying our best, okay? We want you guys to have better seating. He also made the call for no masks, and we don't like to get political here on the 2-3, but that was something that he did make a call for, and... He does have a point where like the rest of the ACC isn't doing it. So why are they still doing it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no longer a New York mandate. You know, it's, it's, it's that's been lifted. So I, I see, I mean, the university obviously still has rules and this and that. I mean, I, I think a call for like optional masking or even just like recommend recommendation, you know, where it's like, they still want you to, but like, you know, maybe majority don't, or maybe it's like 50, 50 and like more people show up because of that. Like, I think that'd be more appropriate than just saying like no mask at all. But yeah, I mean like regardless, like he makes a point and like he has been like saying this or like hinting at it, but tonight he just went full out and was like, yes, I think there should be no mask. It's about time. That was kind of the style of Jim's presser. He just kind of went full out like tonight. He also mentioned that students will have to do that. You know, the, the university mandates the masks and then during the weekend, the students will go down to Marshall street and they'll party without their masks on. Then they got to come back. So I get what he's saying. I do. I really do get what he's saying. So I think that we'll, we'll leave it right there, Zach. All right. I want, I want to take an honest pulse on this team based on the last two wins against BC and tonight against GT, are we ready for Notre Dame Wednesday? Oh, put me on the spot. Um, 
I think that we're ready for Notre Dame. I think that that loss against Virginia Tech almost needed to happen because it seems like before the Virginia Tech game, when we were on our four-game tear, when we were on our win streak, it seemed like the team was really happy. They were playing very well. Everything was clicking. It was happy-go-lucky. And then we lost against VT, and now it seems like we're, we're playing with almost like anger like we're we're ready like oh now people are really starting to talk about us not needing you know they we don't deserve to be in the in the tournament that we are a team that deserves to be in March Madness I think that Cole made a really good point in his presser that that's kind of the, the the mentality that the team is playing with and I think that the loss against VT almost needed to happen and I think now we are ready for Notre Dame and we're ready for this really tough gauntlet that we got coming up. I think we're about as ready as we have been in the past like season. This is this is the best team this year that I have seen. Yeah, I mean, I guess we have no other choice ultimately, but you know, Notre Dame's coming off a slight loss to Wake Forest this past Saturday. So they're coming off an L. So I guess, you know, Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. But regardless, they they are coming off an L, and going into sat or Saturday, man. I I'm like a reporter at the press conference. I don't know. I don't know which. I don't know which day the game is. <laughs> going to Wednesday, they're coming with a loss. So take that yeah. with what you will. Yeah, and this is going to be a very tough stretch because afterwards, Duke. North Carolina and Miami. Everybody knows what the rest of the schedule is going to be like. Everybody knows that it's very, very tight turnarounds. Two of them are in the dome. Two of them are away. So this is a very, very rough stretch. This is a stretch where we need a couple of wins, I would say. I think that we need more than one win to really show that, hey, we are serious. We're ready to play. We want this. We want this very badly. And Zach... The ACC, what have, we, what have we been saying this entire season? The ACC is a dumpster fire. So why not? Why not us? Why can't we be at the top there? Why not? I mean, yeah, I like it. It's The ACC is, is literally silly. So let's make it a little bit more silly and, you know, put, that, put, put, put the S at, at the number one spot. Why not? So Wednesday against Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, at 7 p.m. I have no idea why, but the game is going to be on ESPN News. We're going to make some news, Zach. We're going to make some headlines. We're going to make some headlines. Hughes blows out Notre Dame in Purcell Pavilion. That's what they call their... St- that's weird. But in Notre Dame, I like it. It's going to be a huge game. If you can watch it, please do. Primetime games coming up, Zach. Some very, very big matchups coming up. The team coming off two big wins should be a fun one. And we will hear from you after the Notre Dame win. Until then, we will see you later. Let's go Cuse.